Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Welcome everyone to another episode of Amazon Legends. And today we have Michael Yanis. Michael is the vice president of uh, e-com, e-commerce at Card Smarter. And he's a true CPG expert. He spent 12 years in uh, food and beauty space. And originally he started in big box retailers and now he's been in e-commerce and his real expertise is diversifying the multi-channel experience, um, what we call omni-channel. So he's an omni-channel um, expert. His company, Card Smarter, is a unique full-service e-commerce agency. They have a special relationship with Amazon and Walmart yeah, but uh, also Instacart and Amazon Fresh. Since his expertise in, in, in food and beauty, that lends itself to a very nice uh, you know, lucrative relationships. And they offer turnkey services for all aspects of managing multiple channels. So, so with that, uh, Michael, when you and I connected first and then we were having a discussion, and you said that you do something really well in terms of utilizing a feature that Amazon introduced with attribution. So uh, that, was, that was very interesting because first of all, a lot of people don't know about it. And second, they don't really know what, how it will benefit. So tell us a little bit about that. So give us the, the, the secret, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So about... A year ago, or maybe a little bit longer, Amazon released Amazon Attribution. And just recently, in the last four months, something very much related to it called the Brand Referral Program. Mind you, you do have to have brand registry to take advantage of this. And the reason we, we jump on any new feature or tool that we see out there, whether it's in, in the Amazon Seller Central portal or a third party tool, anything that we could do to drive the business. We're going to find it, jump on it, and leverage it. But this was really important for the following reasons. Um, a lot of our clients happen to be low price, suggested retail price. And the average Amazon cost per click has gone up tremendously. So it's extremely um, difficult for us to achieve a positive, you know, a, a, a ROAS of 10, 15, 20%. We try to get around 20% ROAS for our clients for these lower priced products as the average cost per click goes up. So what attribution was, was a brilliant tool that Amazon wrote out. It allows us to create a track, uh, a, a link that is trackable. So let's say you go do a Facebook ad. We would give you this link that goes right back to the Amazon item page. It allows us to track where the traffic is coming from and the conversion rate. And the reason why that's so important, it allows now our clients that have a off Amazon budget that would normally go to direct to consumer. Now we could say, hey, you know what? Maybe we, should, because our, our Amazon advertising is get a little bit dicey, we should 
redirect some of that external traffic to Amazon item page. And the results have been pretty spectacular. And, there, and I have some theories why, but just to give you an example, um, we had this one client that over the last 12 months, their average CPC for their key, keywords, they went up by 50%. Um, so you can imagine they had a lot less impressions. We sat down with the client and they go, look at, we, we can't make up the difference by increasing our budget. So we asked them, are you doing external advertising to go to direct the consumer? And they said, yes. So we convinced them to convert some of that traffic to Amazon. And what they witnessed was that uh, their organic search rate went up, increased by like 10%. Uh, their conversion rate compared to direct consumer was 20% compared to less than 5%. And their organic search results, we also feel that the attributed sales from the sponsored ad also went up. So what happened was the algorithms went into overdrive and they started giving beneficial treatment to these clients' regular Amazon sponsored ads. They gave beneficial treatment to organic search results. And so what we're witnessing is the algorithms love external traffic to an item page and they pick up on that. And so you start seeing bonus after bonus after bonus. And uh, so they, they, they actually started converting the majority of their external spend over to the Amazon, uh, you know, sending to Amazon. We actually even pulled back on their regular Amazon sponsored budget just a little bit because of this. And uh, so, this has more than made up the difference than the lost impressions and their overall sales since we started doing this have gone up by 15%. So then in October, it even got better, not just for this client, but a lot of our clients, because once this new brand referral program came out, we were able to convince, I think we're up to 70% of our clients now are now either just starting for the first time or converting a major part of the direct-to-consumer traffic to Amazon. And what the brand referral program does, it will give you a credit for any external traffic that turns into a conversion. The credit is up to 15%. It depends on the price point and category. It starts at five and you could realize 15%. So think about this. And if you send something from Facebook, Instagram, Google, it goes to the item page, it turns into conversion. A month later, you have on average a 10% credit on your account for that conversion on your referral. So, so yeah, 10% of what? 10% of, of your sale? Of your referral fee. So like, you know how on average a referral fee is 15%? Oh, the Amazon commission. Yes. Pretty amazing. So it's almost like free advertising because the credit you're getting back is almost paying for that external traffic that you're yes. paying for. And you know, and think about it because most external traffic is cost per click. Yeah. And let's say the average cost is 75 cents, but you're getting 75 cents back on that referral fee if not more. So it's almost, it's almost like paying for your advertising. 
And once we wrote this out to our clients and said, you know, we could track it where it's coming from. We can look at the conversion rate. And by the way, you're going to get a credit. It was like a complete no-brainer. And it's really making it the difference on how expensive it is to advertise on the Amazon platform. It, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. Well, so there's, there's a few things you said. I want to break it down and so that we have a clearer idea. Um, so first of all, there is something about getting ranked up on page one uh, for Amazon for specific keywords. So if you are driving external traffic directly to the item listing page, there is no search taking place, right? That is correct. But what happens and what we're witnessing is that the algorithms are, are taking in consideration quite a few things. Relevancy, right, which has to do with keywords. It has to do with conversion rate. Well, I have a theory. When external traffic comes to Amazon as opposed to direct consumer, and these are prime customers, they feel more comfortable. It's, it's one click. They trust Amazon and they're converting. So if you're within an Amazon platform and you're doing a sponsored ad and you're lucky enough to get someone to land on your page, the conversion rates are good. But for whatever reason, we're seeing a better conversion rate with external traffic. And I, I really can't put my finger on it. Yeah. So that in conversion rate is going up. And I also, what we're witnessing, the algorithms are giving preferential treatment to the item page that have external traffic. So it's helping with their organic search results as well. I see. So this is a very fine point because a lot of people do their keyword search, uh, or I should say uh, all the gather the search volumes per keyword. They build their content all around those keywords. And then they run sponsored ads for those keywords, all for the purposes of ranking up on page one, two, uh, or at least on the first 20 listings. But what you're saying is, instead of doing that, this is another way. First of all, you'll drive traffic directly to the listing. There's no search. Plus, the algorithms are already benefiting you for you know, putting on page one based on your keyword content, right? Yes. And, and Nick, let's face it. Amazon is becoming uber competitive out there. Everybody and their mother's jumping on. And what, what we're witnessing and what I'm seeing in our categories is that we have a lot of brand new, um, you know, companies jumping on to Amazon that have a lot of venture capital. And they're driving up the cost per click because I don't, I don't think profitability is their, st their strategy. For my clients, we have to be profitable. Yes. And, 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 what, and what these brand new brands are doing with all of this money, they just want to go up the rankings, even if they break even or lose money, because they're leveraging that for other strategic purposes. And, you know, hey, look, at, if you have all this venture capital and they're saying, we want to be in retail in 18 months, or we want to be number one on Amazon in 18 months, and we don't care how you do it, we cannot compete against that. Yeah. So we have to outthink them. 
Well, I mean, Amazon must already know this, so that's why they are doing, and they are encouraging it, I guess. So it's uh, something. So this also brings me to the next point, which is one of my favorite questions. This makes it extremely important to track your listing conversion rates on regular basis. So is that data available? How do you get data? What is the best way to track it? So they actually have a section uh, where we can track that. Um, so anytime we do a rent referral, we're using the Amazon attribution link. And then we run a report for our clients and we'll sit down uh, on it every 30 days when we have our uh, monthly calls with that client. And one of the subjects is their advertising. And we'll, we'll share with them. And our advertising team is constantly tweaking, obviously, throughout the 30 days. But uh, yeah, so we share with them and so far uh, across the board, it's, it's been pretty positive results. And, and here's the thing, some of these clients, I mean, they, in one side of their mouth, they're saying, but I have less traffic direct to consumer and I wanna own that consumer. But at the same time, they're really ecstatic that you know they're spending all this money to drive the consumer to their website but their conversion rates, they are lucky when they get 5%. In most cases, we're seeing up to 20% conversion, this exact same traffic going to Amazon. And again, when people ask me, why is that? You know, Amazon year after year ranks as one of the most trusted companies in America. They make it so easy to buy a product and it show, and you know, look at a lot of these direct to consumer, they have to charge shipping, you know, majority of Amazon people are prime and there's you can't compare they go oh it's going to show up tomorrow or two days free shipping yeah same product right yeah and they and I explained that they go oh you're right okay that makes sense and there's they're kind of seeing the value now of spending that media spend to drive to Amazon because there's at least they're getting the sale now you know what I mean they're losing the customer but they're getting the sale Exactly. And, you know, cash is king, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but do you track the, the, the overall listing uh, oh, conversion rate? Oh, and absolutely. How, how do you track it usually? Oh, every, you know, when we just download the, uh, the business reports every month for our clients. Yeah. So that's, that's the own, that's what I was trying to get. So that's not usually available any other way you have to download it and look at it that is correct yeah and of course the other thing is as you make changes like for example a campaign or you change the content pictures you add a video you want to know the impact of it so because uh, a lot of uh, people don't know those because you know how it is amazon's interface is not necessarily the most sophisticated so those business reports they are like kind of buried somewhere you have to go in and you have to pick the right one. And then, you know, you have to know what the data is. So you know, that's the only way. It's, it's very laborious, but that's very important, you're saying, to keep an eye on. Yeah, and, and, and we have, you know, very technical operations people that their responsibility is to convert it in a, in, and convert the data in readable, like with graphs and so on, because our... Our account managers just don't have that time. Yeah. So we actually have an operations division that does that on a monthly basis and converts that data 
in the readable um, charts and spreadsheets that we share with our clients. So, uh, Michael, this is uh, this is great. So, I'm gonna. My next question is for you, really, to kind of have your take on. You deal with multiple e-commerce companies, and they sell through multiple channels. So, tell us what you see as the, the biggest opportunities on Amazon and challenges. And, and as far as the timing of it, when is the right time for a company to start selling on Amazon? Let me start with that one, <laughs> because that one's an interesting one. Um, and there's so much debate, right? Do you, uh, do you immediately launch on Amazon or do you launch direct to consumer first or some other e-com partner? I'm a little bit biased. Um, there is so much traffic. It, and it's, you know, Amazon makes it relatively easy to launch on Amazon. And, and I know for a fact from having done this for such a long time, there are about, I would say 20%, close to 20% of Amazon Prime customers that are only going to buy from Amazon. So if you're not simultaneously launching on Amazon as direct consumer, I personally feel that you're leaving a lot of business on the table. And as much as Amazon's a pain in the ass and the, you know, the advertising's going up and, and so on, at the end of the day, it is a powerful marketing tool. And the last I heard, you know, it's still the, the number one search bar for product, right? Over Google as opposed to service. And so if that many people on a daily basis are going to search for a new product, you have to be there. And even if you just leverage it as a marketing tool where they're going to read the reviews, um, you know, first find you and then read the reviews and make a buying decision, you can also have the product more expensive on Amazon if you wanted to. I wouldn't recommend it. And then it's going to drive it back to your website. But you just can't ignore the amount of shoppers. So my, my opinion is you do it simultaneously, direct to consumer and Amazon right out of the gates. And the other question is what other opportunities? I think the one I, I spoke to of early on, um, you know, tr driving external traffic. I, I think that's, that's one of them. Um, and other opportunities would be, um, you know, we're, we're always just looking for, you know, some kind of new tool and I, I get I guess to give you an example would be start thinking about other media types other than just social media to drive traffic that maybe later on in today's um, conversation that I can elaborate on if so what one of the things that uh, I saw and this may have been one of those webinars or uh, one of those Amazon courses, I think that some guy was running. Um, and, and I agree with what I heard. He was saying basically that when you're selling on Amazon or you want to sell on Amazon, people think that this is an Amazon thing. He said, don't have that approach. Amazon wants you to take it as an effort to build a business. So when you're building a business, the first thing that you have to do, provided that you have a good product, 
you create your own following. So have your mailing list, have your own, whether it's, it's social media or whatever, but create that following and that ultimately will make you independent. Something happens with Amazon, you still have a customer base. And also if you're launching a new product, you can easily one email that goes to all the people who want it to be your audience uh, can leave, you can invite them, offer them a discount. So, I mean, really, that's what I hear you saying. Don't just rely on these cookie cutter solutions everybody advocates, you know, go social media, go here, run PPC, but create your own following, offer something so that you have that relationship with the customer that favors your product for whatever reason, right? That's what I'm hearing. 100%. And so like a strategy would be, you know, you have seen it if you're an Amazon consumer, you get the product from Amazon, you open it up and there's some kind of incentive to go back and register on the website or there's some kind of additional discount to drive it. And we so encourage that with our clients to take that extra effort of putting some kind of communication to the consumer in their Amazon packaging. I 100% agree. You have to have multiple channels and direct the consumer as painful as it is, is an important one. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what you mentioned is package inserts and that is true, but there is a, there is a, almost a science to it, right? Because you can get thrown out if you start offering things quid pro quo, if you do this, like do not ever, is, of course, if you send an email, you're dead anyway. But uh, even if you know package insert, people do do this. But if you say, if you do this, I'm going to give, give you this, those things are a no-no, right? You can't do quid pro quo. Yeah, it, you, you, there is a fine balance of what you can communicate. Yeah, you need to uh, not ask for rate as five, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't ask for these good things that you want to have uh, in return of something or don't even ask for them directly. Just like you just ask for, please leave us your review. Tell us how you, how you like our product. That's it. Uh, give us a review. That's it. They can decide to give bad review. That's fine. Uh, but don't say, don't give us your top review and then we'll do this. And that will get you, <laughs> that will get you thrown out. So That's correct. the dangerous things. So uh, tell us uh, again, you know, you had the luxury of having the knowledge of dealing with different companies. When they first start, um, what are their initial challenges? Because usually these companies come up with a product idea and then they set up their operations, whether it's, you know, their shipping or their purchasing or inventory management or whatever. And then suddenly here comes Amazon with all kinds of requirements. What are the initial challenges of these companies that they experienced where they have to go back and not change, rewire how they set up their company in the first place? Believe it or not, we still have a lot of clients that uh, because they're old school, they have been selling in big box retail of grocery stores for years that they cannot manage small parcel. And with Amazon inventory, you know, every single day, it's a different inventory level. Uh, you know, hey, you can ship this much to us. So the next day, it's a little bit less. And sometimes we, we cannot do a pallet 
you know, we have to request that they they ship small parcel, like several several cases of product. And we have clients that, oh, they just really struggle with that. And that's a problem. And we it's really difficult finding a solution for them because a lot of times, whether they're shipping on their own or their 3P partner, that partner has just for a very long time have only shipped truck and less than truckload and not small parcel. They have a problem with that. And we so, don't have a solution really. So what, yeah. what I'm hearing is fulfillment. So are you talking about fulfillment of individual orders or fulfillment of the uh, the, the bulk FBA shipments? FBA shipments, correct. So, so, so they don't really know how to handle these, you know, shipping. Why is it that it's it's hard? Is it the Amazon requirements making it hard? No, it, it, you know, look at, we have a lot of old school grocery clients. I mean, we, we have clients in almost every category, but it just so happens we're quite heavy with grocery clients. A lot of them are old school. And uh, it, it, it's because of our parent company is a, a, a grocery broker. And uh, a lot of these clients have been selling into grocery for literally decades. And uh, they never had a need to, they never did direct to consumer. They never had a need to ship a few cases via UPS. And uh, all of a sudden they realized, oh my gosh, you know, we have understood, we now understand why we need to be on Amazon. Okay, great. We get everything set up, we're talking to them. And, you know, with Amazon, with Amazon's warehousing, uh, limit, limiting the space right now because of COVID, there, you know, sometimes we could only request like, hey, we just need four cases of this. We can't bring an entire pallet right now. And, and they, their 3PL that they use are their own shipping warehouse, their own warehouse system just doesn't have that capability. I see. So, um, and what kind of a problem does that result in? I mean, how does it impact? Yeah, so what happens is that what how we're adjusting to this problem is that for a lot of clients, and, and not just because for the clients that cannot ship small parcel, is that we have really cleaned out FBA and are focusing on key items. So that way we can bring those key items in the bulk and we're sacrificing everything else. So uh, we'll tell them, okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to sacrifice these seven items, let them run out of stock and not reorder them. So we have the room and we'll just order a big giant one of the key products so we could get to that cup, so we could get filled up a pallet and that will, that will resolve the issue. So what I'm hearing is two things to be really aware of and then plan accordingly. One is Amazon is not gonna let you ship too much inventory because of the new changes due to COVID. So you can only ship so many pieces at a time. <clears throat> the second thing is you can't really ship pallets. You have to be able to ship small cases in order to have the, the quantity requirement satisfied. Yeah. However, the more SKUs you have, obviously, the less 
quantity that you can ship per skew. So that's what you have to juggle. So, I mean, it, that means that you really need to analyze your performance even more carefully so that if you're gonna make that cut, you know, remove some of the items, you're not removing really any performance. Dick, that was perfect. You know, COVID made us a better company, a better agency. From an operation standpoint, it really made us focus on what, what we need to concentrate on, on the products that sell and just really consult with our clients and say, look at, yes, in the past, Amazon was a great place to sell products that you couldn't get on shelf. All the other flavors, all the other sizes that a retailer wouldn't pick up, you now had a place to sell them. That, that, no, we don't do that anymore. We're just really focusing and cleaning things up um, in their catalog on Amazon for FBA. And, and, it, and in a way, it's making everybody better, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, if you're only selling a few units of product F, right, you're, you're, you're paying that shipping to Amazon, you're paying the storage fees and so on. So it, it made us, it made our clients, it made us lean and mean on how we manage that. So it, it did make us a better operational agency when, which I, I hope I can say this, when shit hit the bed, yeah. Amazon started, started really, uh, putting limits on inventory. Well, I mean, uh, it's true. This is always the situation. But in the end, what, what it comes back to is really data, right? So you have to be analyzing this data. So, uh, yeah, so what do you say to someone who cannot hire your company and they don't really like numbers, they don't like to deal with, so they are more touchy-feely, creative, you know, product per, and so what do you say to them? How, how can they be successful? Well, that, that's just it. Because we are turnkey, that is our problem. So all the Amazon problems, we tackle them and resolve them and then consult with our clients and say, this is what we're going to do. And they if they hire us, they hire us for our expertise and knowledge and they more than often than not listen to our advice. And, and we literally, we more often than not control the narrative on the strategies for our clients on Amazon because, you know, this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah, so you can't operate without the information. So um, again, having that perspective of multiple different operations, what do you suggest is a good way to go? Is it FBA or FBM where they fulfill themselves? Yeah, we're lucky in that the majority of our clients have um, FBA type products. So, you know, the, the FBA fees are quite affordable. And I think I, I read a statistic one time that an FBA item compared to the same item not being FBA could be the difference of a 60% increase in sales. Wow. So we, we almost exclusively leverage FBA. Now, there are some uh, exceptions. We do have a few clients in which their products are larger, but they're key items. And so uh, a few of our clients are uh, FBM, uh, so built by manufacturer, uh, but it's rare. Yeah. So, um... I have another perspective on FBA, FBM. This obviously does not apply if you are selling your own item because you are the only seller. 
but if you have a supply chain and you are working with resellers and you are selling products on that same listing that you know competing with your resellers openly you know they know about it so that's a fact sometimes that happens so basically when there are multiple sellers on a single listing if you are fba it is much harder to steal the buy box from you but if they are doing fbm then and you are in the fba program they're going to have to discount it so heavily that by the time they are able to capture the buy box, they're not making money anymore. So that true. that's the advantage of FBA. So I always uh, favor FBA. Plus, this is what I say. You know, if you are selling products online, it's you're not really selling products. You're selling information. And then whatever comes out of it as a transaction becomes the shipment of a product. So really you're selling information and then you're running a logistics operation. So in the midst of all this, the biggest driver is inventory. And for you to be able to stay on top of replenishing your inventory, I'm not talking about just FBA replenishment. I'm talking about production planning, you know, managing your POs, making sure that you, you have steady flow of, inventory coming in so that you can satisfy the sales. That's the biggest problem. That's the most money-consuming activity that requires a lot of work, a lot of historical data, a lot of algorithms, and you name it. I mean, that's the real work. Why get into logistics and customer service and returns and refunds, right? So why, why bother with it all? I say just stick to FPA and manage inventory and manage your advertising, you're done. Yeah, and, and again, you know, like you said, data is key. Operations and understanding all the moving parts, mechanics. There's a reason why these clients hire us because that's our, the nitty gritty. That's the stuff that we love to do because it it's all the fundamental building blocks of being able to move the business forward. And so we take all those headaches off our clients. Like, so tell me about uh, some of the best practices that, that you advocate for to deal with peak periods, like the shopping season, the prime day, and now we have post-pandemic situations. So tell us about you know, what, what do people do and what do you advise and what should they be ready for? That's a great question. So we work months in advance to get promotional approval for our clients. We will tell them, you know, the, the best case example that everybody would know would be Prime Day. So in a few months from now, or yeah, we will start sitting down with our clients and talking about what items we want to promote. We get approval on the discount amount and we tell them, okay, can you please start going in production now and setting that items aside so we could, because we're going to place an order to get it into the inventory before Amazon has that window shut off, for example. Uh, and then we also say, would it make sense for us to increase that budget during prime week and we get approval for that? So the best case practices that we do would be planning way ahead, making sure they're going to have the inventory, 
picking the items, picking the discount about it, and get all the approvals in place way beforehand. So that way, all the account manager has to do is just execute against it. So uh, I'm almost hearing like a playbook for this because you cannot improvise, right? So you need to know exactly what to do based on a specific timeline so that you're ready. Yeah, and not to say that our clients have to go back and get promotional approval, it takes weeks, but we can't risk it that we're waiting at the very last minute for them to approve a promotion because then as you know, like again, I use Prime because Prime Day or Prime Week now because there's these limitations like on, on inventory. They even have a cutoff window. Um, and you also have to get the products approved uh, by Amazon. So there's so many little moving parts that uh, we, we plan way ahead of, uh, like literally months ahead of time. Yeah. So uh, as far as the team, so tell us a little bit about what are the roles? I know in, you are set up for this, but this applies to you too, because you are just simply doing what the client is supposed to do. What, are, what does it take to form a team to be successful on Amazon in terms of roles? What are those unique roles that you must have covered? That's a great question. It takes a lot of expertise. So we built our our division like this. You're assigned an account manager. That person builds out your catalog. That person is a, an expert in uh, the Amazon algorithms. They're experts in all the strategies. And they're the ones communicating with you, sitting down and consulting with you. But then they don't have the time or, or the ability to become an expert in FBA operation management. So that account manager will work with our operations manager for helping, you know, for helping with inventory management, right? And so that our account manager has that free time of focusing on like, you know, you know, reading the data. Is a product, why is a product all of a sudden not selling well? Why is a product selling well? Getting the promotions in place. So a lot of the work and headaches is by an expert. We also have an advertising team. So the account manager says, my client, they have a budget of this. Here are their target audience. Here are some of the things we want to achieve. He goes to the advertising team. They take over total management of advertising. Then we have a creative team. So our account manager doesn't have to be a creative expert. They go, hey, we need to build out an A plus page. The creative team gets on the phone with the client, the account manager. We, we talk about what our best case strategies are, what we're looking for, what they're looking for, and we build it out for them. All our account manager has to do is just oversee the project. They don't have to do it. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's what our, our division looks like. Okay, so let's say, uh, because this is so important and you laid it out exactly uh, the, the distinct part. So first of all, account manager so this is one person owns the operation they are that person is responsible for developing the strategy making sure the strategy is executed the goals targets set and and, and then also more important reported uh, so that is the account manager and you could probably equate that to the business owner 
right? The business owner needs to know. So let's now dig a little bit here. Imagine they, this is a company that wants to start it themselves. They're not hiring an agency. And would you advise them to learn it on the go to figure out what the strategy should be? Or would you advise them to hire an expert to help them develop the strategy or help? Because there, there's so much material out there. People can watch videos. They can, you know, they have this seller university, Amazon has, which is really useless. Uh, people, I've never heard anybody say anything favorable. But uh, nevertheless, there is material out there. Like Helium 10 has these courses. So would you advise somebody to like wing it and learn it? Since there's no, so much that's more. A great that's a great question. You, you have to get an expert and I'll tell you why. Even with Helium 10 and all these services, what we're seeing, for, even for clients that have been trying to do this for years on their own and they never did hire that expert, they don't even know about those services. And some of them have or have, or have not go to prosper in these shows, but it's so complicated. It's a different world. It's a different language. And here's my philosophy. Yes, you're going to have to pay an expert more money, right? But here's the difference. You, you hire an expert here, and all of a sudden, your sales are here by month three or four. You get in someone who doesn't know what they're doing, and your sales are here by month three or four. So the difference in increased sales makes it the difference in that salary. Additionally, one little mistake, and you could potentially have your store closed. Right. It's worth it. No. So there's so many moving parts, understanding, just like when you're going to spend money on Amazon sponsored ads, you pretty, you got to know what you're doing because you can't waste money. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're, I can tell you now you're wasting money. It's not as easy as you think. There's a reason why I personally do not touch advertising and I have experts. Yeah. I don't have the time to become an expert and it's just a full-time bloody job. So my advice, get an expert or hire an agency. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Plus, you can make irreversible damages. I mean, the most extreme is you can have your account shut down. So like, for example, my, my, my favorite one is you, if you are a new seller and you have all the best intentions, you not want to violate any of the you know, Amazon policies, never really would want to do that. And then so, you know, one of your orders, somebody complains, and they send you an email and say, this is ridiculous. I don't like this, you know, blah, blah, you know, and, and you send them an email with all the best intentions. You know, we are very customer centric. We would like to make sure that you are happy, blah, blah, blah. Here is the response to your issue. And by the way, please reach out to us. Here is our email address. Here is our phone number. Please get in touch. We are happy to help you 24 seven. You are done, <laughs> right? You can't give out but your email address you can, I mean, first of all, Amazon system will mask it anyway. They'll immediately say, we have found our system has detected, you know, illegal uh, you know, <laughs> information. So, I mean, this is how serious things can be. But that's the most extreme. But what I always say is, don't go creating your listings, trying to do it, because you cannot relaunch a listing. Once you launch it, Clock starts ticking, you're building history, 
You can't use the same. You have to create a new UPC if you want to relaunch it completely, delete it, and then start from scratch. So some things are also irreversible. So I, I totally agree. Yeah, this uh, there's something called opportunity loss. Do, go pay the few bucks. And if, if you're looking to build a business and you have a brand, you are investing in inventory, for God's sake, spend a few dollars and get an expert to get you started the right way. And then, you, you know, you can take it from there. And then, so the other role, so you mentioned one role to manage inventory and warehouse operations. Um, one role for obviously advertising. That's a lot of moving parts with keywords and campaign types and clicks and the costs and ROIs. Another role for creative. That's a big one. Uh, but what the, you didn't mention, maybe because as an agency, that's beyond what you can do for understandable reasons. Financial statements, you know, the overall performance of the account with all the cost factors and inventory, how much inventory they are carrying uh, compared to their liquidity they are generating, things like that. It's a very financial, a lot of numbers that they need to be on top of, right? Yeah, and that, that comes from our operations division. So every month they download a report and uh, our account manager is responsible also for doing a profitability analysis. And uh, we have these little spreadsheets where they just literally type in some numbers and it spits out their profit by ASIN. And so periodically we will, you know, a great, a great example is FBA just went up. So our team uh, actually went back did a report on all the FBA and then redid that uh, profit calculator and sent it out to our clients. Uh, and in some cases we sat down with them and we said, hey, we have to go up a little bit on the consumer cost on this product, gave us approval and we did raise the, raise the price so they could hit their minimum profitability margins that they require. Uh, so that was a great point that you bring up. So every month our account manager has to look at the reports and make sure everything is kosher and, and, you know, looking for trends, both positive and negative, and then reacting to it. Yeah. Yeah. Financial management is all about, you know, what my favorite thing is that I'd like to watch is, and this actually is so key. And a lot of people, I see them getting in trouble. It's one thing to have sales. It's another to be making profits, but people generally speaking don't seem to have a very tight inventory control systems. So they don't really know the value of inventory they are carrying at any point in time, real time. Hmm. And that becomes even more complicated when they use FBA because the inventory belongs to them. So they need to basically go somewhere and say, okay, I have $100,000 worth of inventory, overall inventory not skew level, overall inventory in my warehouse right now. And I have $30,000 worth at Amazon. So I'm carrying $130,000 worth of inventory. Compare that to the liquidity you are generating in a period. So if you're, let's say, percentage-wise, let's say your net, net, net bottom line is 25%, which is very good, as you know. 25% net margin is very good after everything. So what does that mean in dollars? Let's say it's, I don't know, 
50,000 a month. Well, your three months worth of inventory and your three months of net liquidity you generate can just about cover how much inventory you carry. So how are you financing that inventory? Clearly, you can't finance it with your earnings, right? Right. They don't know. And you know what this does to a company in the end? It makes them bankrupt because they cannot possibly, because think about this now, growth will come from what? Bringing more inventory, right? Well, how will they finance it if they're not generating enough? By the way, that's at 25%. So most companies don't make 25%. Not even be, close to that. They'll be happy if, if they, they'll be happy with 10%. Right. So how many months you have to earn in order to finance the inventory you're holding today? They don't know this calculation because they don't have tight inventory systems. So um, that's something I, I own in right from the get-go. I say that you don't have a system that will track inventory in real time, forget it, don't start. Because the minute that you ship your first inventory to Amazon, now you've got split values being carried. So it's something that um, I've seen it several times. And yeah. that's the worst thing you can, that can happen to you is you're doing really well, sales are growing, but you've got no money. And no money means no life, struggle, you can't bring in people, and it's, uh, it becomes a real predicament. Totally get that. So, uh, so uh, uh, Michael, tell us, if you could wish one thing for Amazon to change in their policies, what would that be? Oh my gosh, it's those stupid little bots that go around and say you're invited. <laughs> it's just a bot with no human interaction and then you have to go back and go to support a million types to fight it. And that would probably be number one. Um, uh, number two is that be consistent with their inventory level uh, uh, indexing. You know, they don't, they don't adhere to their own policies. Uh, and the big one is this, and this one's a weird one. It's the, the, the whole culture at Amazon is based on silos, right? So this division decides to, to roll something out, but this division doesn't know anything about it, but it affects this division. Yeah. And so you go to this division to get it fixed, and this division doesn't care because they're hitting their KPIs. And so because everybody that works in silos there, the sellers get screwed because so many things are happening, but all these divisions are not working together to make it be rolled out smooth or to correct the problems. Everybody's only focused on their own KPIs at Amazon. And it drives me nuts because they're not willing to help if, it, if it's not part of what they do and what, their, and what their goals are. So if they roll something out and affect someone else, they just don't care. And because things are connected from the seller standpoint of what we do, it's so difficult to get some things done. And it's just because no one, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing at Amazon and it kills me. It just kills me. It's the typical big company problem, right? So it's always- And it's worse at Amazon based on how from the very beginning they created their culture. Yeah. If you don't hit your KPI, you're, you're out the door. So if everybody 
only cared about what they were doing and not any other division, more than any other company. So uh, this was great. I mean, uh, having the perspective of several different operations is very valuable. So I'm sure the listeners will uh, will pick up a lot of very valuable things. So so tell us about yourself a little bit. Where do you live and what do you do in your free time? What are your passions? Tell us. Thanks. Uh, and by the I way, mean, give us give us how people can reach you. Uh, we will post your contact information on our uh, the episode page anyway. But tell us how people can reach you as well. Okay, well, I guess I'll start there. They can reach me via email uh, by going to uh, mgenez at cartsmarter.com, and that's spelled K-A-R-T-S-M-A-R-T-R.com, or the website, uh, cartsmarter.com. Uh, let's see, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I have two young adult daughters. Uh, that I that I raised. Um, let's see. I've been in the consumer product goods industry since almost right out of college, 30 years ago or so. Uh, I used to sell consumer product technology like PC software and so on into big retail stores, going back to like CompUSA, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my career. And then I even did it as a consultant where I would help European companies break into the channel. And because of the fact that, um, because of the fact that after books and consumer electronics, the third category Amazon embraced was consumer PC technology. I've been dealing with Amazon in some way, somehow for decades, where way back at the time where you would go up in Seattle and meet with the buyer, there was no seller central. They would either buy it direct or uh, vendor central or through uh, a distributor. And so that helped me understand Amazon. So when Seller Central came around, um, I was actually in the middle of changing my career because what happened to me was when the, um, the iPad came out, it ruined my industry. The whole PC industry collapsed. So I had to reinvent myself quite a few years ago. And luckily I had this Amazon background and knowledge and I got recruited by a broker to start an Amazon division 12, 13 years ago. So this is this is the second uh, agency that I have started. And uh, one of the things that uh, with my current agency that, well, let me see, my passions. Let me go to my passions. Um, I, love, um, my, I love sports, both participating and, um, and, and, and watching mainly uh, college basketball, college football. I love the outdoors, do a lot of hiking. I do biking, um, reading, and um, somehow, some way, just trying to slightly improve myself um, a little bit here and there. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, and, uh, and then in terms of the, the future for my agency, uh, I kind of feel, and I kind of hinted on this earlier, I kind of feel that we're, we're, because of the way Amazon sponsored ads, the way it's moving, and the fact that external traffic's benefiting, I, I have now launched a separate division. We're as much a media agency as we are e-com. And for our clients, or for anyone for that matter, because we, 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 we base the fees based on a traditional media fee structure, 
we are now doing Amazon Video uh, streaming commercials on Amazon Video, Roku, Hulu, and podcast. And uh, with an encouragement that, that the traffic go to their Amazon item pages. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there are so many new opportunities. It's uh, it's always the same thing. It's, uh, it's two different worlds. One world is suffering so much, you know, people focus on the negative. And there is plenty, but uh, there's a lot of opportunities on the other side if you just choose to focus on it. Well, this was great, Michael. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, your information will be on our uh, episode page, so people will be able to reach you. And uh, with that, uh, another episode comes to an end. And thank you for joining us, and see you next time. Thank you, Nick. I had a fabulous time. It was, it was wonderful. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.